Will you remain standing for our scripture reading this morning? It's from the message will come from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a. And in the New Testament from Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Isaiah is giving us a prophecy, a prophecy about Jesus as our suffering servant. In Isaiah we read, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? And from Luke chapter 19, we're reading as Jesus has been teaching in the hillside to many people. He's entering, fixing to enter Jerusalem. After he has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who are sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people were spreading their cloaks on the road. And he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had been seeing, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Shout out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for this time of worship. We pray as your word is proclaimed that you open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. For us in Jesus' name we pray together as your church. Amen. Remember back my farming days. I remember how that we had to prepare the land to make it as near right is what we could, justified, I guess it means right, um, for the seed to be planted, to come up. Y'all are not going to know, most of you won't, unless you're from Mississippi County, what, what, I, what I mean when I say gumbo. It, this is not something you eat. This is something you work 
Lynette says she knows what that is. It's a type of soil that it could rain really a tenth or two on, and you could get out of your truck and walk across the field, and as you walked, your feet would get bigger. It's a type of soil that works just right while you're gone to lunch. It's, it's a type, that was funnier in that church, the, the, it's a type of soil that nobody really likes to farm, really. Well, we farmed uh, about 240 acres over uh, close to the St. Francis River bottom. And I can remember, I can remember my daddy telling me to come back and redo like 20 acres of that over. Now, this was, this was back during B.C., before cabs. We didn't have cabs on our tractors. Smelling that diesel and, you know, going one way it wouldn't be too bad, and the next way it hits you in the face. But, but anyway, anyway, because the soil was not prepared like he thought it ought to be so that we could plant, actually soybeans is what we were doing, to plant soybeans uh, there that, that, at that time. And the scriptures, and you, and you think about how truly blessed we are as we prepare our hearts for next Sunday. Let me say something to you, my dear, dear, dear friends. You can't get to Easter without first going to the cross. That's what Thursday night is all about. That's what Friday night is all about. It's a, remind, a reminder. Is it sad? Sad doesn't even pay it. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Both of those services are. But it's something as the church has done down through the ages to prepare our hearts for the Easter lilies, for Easter eggs, for resurrection. And so... As we think about preparing our hearts, let's focus just for a moment this morning on how truly blessed we are. How truly blessed we are. As, as a people of faith, preparing our hearts and our lives for the Lord. Just think for a moment this morning how God has blessed you. I think about how God has blessed me in spite of myself. Y'all you know what I'm saying when I say in spite of myself? Jiminy crickets. We have so much. And, and the scriptures that, that preceded um, the ones that, that Jeanette read to us this morning, there was this little dude, and he was a chief tax collector. Chief tax collector meant that all the other tax collectors brought him part of the cut before he was wealthy. His name was Zacchaeus. Well, he knew that Jesus was coming in, into town. Remember what I said? Little bitty dude. He couldn't see over the crowd. So what did he do, church? Yeah, on a sycamore tree. Yeah, he climbed up the tree. He had to do some preparation, didn't he? If he's wanting to see Jesus, then he had to prepare himself to get to see he had to put he had to put himself had to put him had to put himself to where he could see. So he climbs a tree, and you know what happened? 
Jesus told him, a little later on, Jesus told him, he said, hey, Zach, today salvation has come to your house. Think about that. Salvation. After that, there was a, there was a, a, a guy that was going to, that, that was going to go away. Uh, he was a nobleman. He was going away to, to um, uh, get royal power. But here's the thing about it. He called ten of his slaves. He gave them each a talent. And he told them, there it is. I'll see you later. He goes off, and he does receive this royal power. But the thing about it, the folks that were there, they didn't like him. The Scripture says they didn't like him. They didn't want him to rule over them. So here's what happened. When he returned, the first dude walks up to him and says, Look here, you gave me a pound, I made ten. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. That's pretty cool. They were the right ones. And this next one walks up and says, hey, you gave me a pound, I made you five. He said, well done. I will put you in charge of five cities. There's this other guy sitting back here. And he said, I dug a hole, stuck what you gave me in it. For I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow. This nobleman said to him, oh, really? Really? That's what you think of me. He said, I'll judge you by your own words. He said, take the pound that I gave to him. Well, he told him, he said, when you put it in, in the bank, and it draw, at least it could have drawn interest for me. He said, take the pound away from him, give it to the one that has ten, for those who have much, even more will be given. And those who have nothing, that will be taken away. Now, that's what Jesus was doing right up to the point, to the point that Jeanette read to us this morning about his triumphal entry into, uh, into Jerusalem. So, so, would you say that there was a big difference in how Zacchaeus and the first two guys, the 10-pound guy and the 5-pound guy, how that, they, how that they prepared themselves for Jesus or for the nobleman? There's a big difference, isn't there? And even the citizens that said, I don't want this, I don't, I don't want this nobleman ruling over me. Today's scriptures, they, they teach us a little, bit, a little bit about preparing ourselves. Jesus told a couple of his disciples, go into the city and get a coat. This was no ordinary coat. This is one that had never been ridden. A borrowed donkey. You know, we're not much on going in the church. We're just not much on going. But, but, here's what we are. When Jesus says go preach, we go preach. When Jesus says start a new Sunday school class, what do we do in this church? 
We started a new Sunday school class. When Jesus says expand your premises so people can get in and out of it and your children and youth can have a place to be educated in, what do we do? Oh, oh, I've noticed the red iron going up out there. We're not much ongoing. But at the same time, I have to believe that we're obedient. When Jesus calls us to do the things that he knows, we may not get it, but that Jesus knows promotes the kingdom of God. There are many today living right around us. We can start right here. Unless we can start right here in our mission field. We can start right here. There are many around here They're not Christian people. Now, who God's going to save and how God goes about saving and all that, that's his business. What you and I do is to need to understand that we're responsible. If you're a Christian, I said if, if you're a Christian, you're responsible for God's grace and how that that is promoted. Now, There are many right around us, as I said earlier, that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, a world that's broken, hurting, crying out in pain. And friends, I believe it's good news when it's when the church obeys and and it lives out the, the calling that the Lord has on our lives as we prepare our hearts because lives are changed. Lives are changed when the church responds that way. Think of your life. When was your heart changed? It's when we're obedient to the call that the Lord has on our life that we begin to see the good news put into practice right before our very eyes. What a blessing it is to be used by the Lord. I know that I have, and David could tell you the the people's names, Pastor David. Uh, the people's names. I, I don't know. I, I go, I'm on this district leadership team. I've begged off of it twice because I, I, I don't do it very well. And, and anyway, I thought you retired is what folks say when I enter the room. I say, when I retire, you'll know it. When I retire is when y'all put me in this column barium down here. None of us are through until then. Y'all know that? How are we preparing our hearts to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that thinks you people are goofy? Sunday, well, they do, Cindy. They, they, they do. You come here and, you, I mean, you robe up, you know, and, and you, wasn't that beautiful this morning? Wasn't that, be, wasn't that a beautiful anthem? And, and, and you play bells and you sing in the choir and you give money and, and, and you serve and you want to do out, outdo one another showing love and respect and, and all that. I'm telling you, the world thinks y'all are goofy and you pretty much are. Because the scripture says that you are a peculiar people. Remember? You're peculiar. Peculiar. I look around and I see the excitement on people's faces. 
Uh, Carolyn can, can vouch for this. I'm about out here to construction side as much as I'm over here, aren't I? And, and it's not by choice, it's just the way that it is. Um, but let me tell you what it's done. It has given me a chance if people were, and they have slowed down because of all the holes and the cones and the cranes and, and everything, to talk to people about what you guys are doing here, about sharing with them about what this building is going. All that building is is an instrument for God to use so that we can more effectively reach people for Jesus Christ. You all understand what I'm saying? It's just a tool. It's all in the world that it is. And, and they say, and, and folks say, really? It gives us an opportunity. Now, these are, not, these are not my people. I mean, you know, it's folks that maybe, I don't, probably not in church anywhere. Probably 80% of them are not. But they want to know. I even had one, even had one, and Carolyn's already laughing at me. She probably knows what I'm going to say. Even had one person to say, can you believe, when we started it, and the, I think it was just before the pad was poured, you know, it was a loblolly out here. Say, can you believe what that school's doing? <laughs> and Dr. Buffalo, you know what I mean. It always comes back to the school. I said, I know it. I think they're building another gym. <laughs> but, but yeah, at least we get to talk to people. Y'all see what I'm saying? We get to meet folks on their own turf. Because while they're in their car, I have no right to get in their car with them. No right whatsoever. But I can talk just a minute. They don't even have to stop. If they just slow down a little bit, I'll talk to them. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? To meet folks on their own turf. To love people where they are. Friends, that takes some preparing. Because there's a lot of folks, and I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, that are not real lovable. Have y'all ever known anybody like that? That's just not real lovable. But anyway, it gives us a chance to talk to people. As we step out in faith, I believe, in anything that we do that brings honor and glory to God that he's pleased. Anything we do, whether it's mission trips or whether it's UMWs or whether it's Sunday school classes or whether it's playing the piano, anything that we do for God's glory, I believe he's pleased. I believe he's pleased. Excuse me, preparing ourselves, our hearts, our lives for the meeting of Jesus face to face, riding on a donkey, just as Zacchaeus did. Now, Jesus had set his face toward Jerusalem. It was now time to enter the city. We remember Luke's gospel, it opened in Jerusalem with Zechariah ministering in the temple and with this infant Jesus. And he was blessed by Simeon, Simeon, Simeon and Anna. That Jesus would be the one that would bring salvation. And it's Anna who added that he would redeem Jerusalem. It's come full circle, hasn't it? It's come full circle, right back around. This drama of the passion is the bookend to the gospel that at long last brings Jesus and this holy city back together. As the Jewish people filled the city to remember the Passover, 
In other words, God's deliverance of them from the Egyptians. There was tension, anticipation, and the air had to be thick. As Roman imperialism crushed and oppressed God's people, Pilate had made a trip into town to uphold law and order. That's what happened at these Jewish festivals. In stark contrast, as he came with all his pomp and circumstance and his war horses and and all that, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. A borrowed donkey. Donkey. He told a couple of his disciples, go borrow the coat for him to wrap. When its owners asked him what they were doing, they, they repeated verbatim what Jesus had said to them. They said, The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. As preachers, we could easily point out that Jesus needs each and every one of us seated here in these pews this morning, just as he had needed the coat. But I, I think the more important question for us, for each of us on this Passion Palm Sunday, is this. Are we ready to carry the weight of the gospel? Beyond the parade, beyond the parade, into the rough places where darkness and death overwhelm us. Will we carry the good news to the oppressed? and those whose hearts need binding up. Even even if it means putting ourselves in danger. How could we ever do any of these things without first preparing our hearts and our minds for what God's called us to do? After a cloak spread over the code, more laid on the road, this simple parade begins. It's a procession of humility and gentleness. It's a demonstration of meekness and vulnerability. There's that word. There's that word. Instead of a big show of military might, Jesus defies expectations and comes in a different way. He doesn't rally the crowds to incite revolt. He comes and invites in them the response of peace in heaven and glory to the highest heaven. That's Luke 19, 29. And we hear an echo of the song of both the angels and Simeon in Luke 2. We have to rethink what kind of king is being blessed here? One who comes ultimately, ultimately to bring about God's peace. That's the king that you and I wrestle with today. By now, you have noticed, you have read scriptures this week. By now, you have noticed that there's something missing from this parade, as Luke tells it. Palms. Instead of waving signs of victory, of paradise, of the fertile ground of new life, Luke emphasizes instead the act of spreading cloaks on the ground. Here we have an an act of deep reverence and subservience as we in our sanctuaries today 
or lifting up and waving the palm branches. Perhaps there's a complementary action of laying down that needs to occur in our lives. As we lift our shouts of praise on this Passion Palm Sunday, might we also lay down ways of living that do not honor God, that do not honor our neighbor. As we lift up and prepare our voices, crying out to the end of injustice and suffering, may we also lay down our lives, allowing Christ to fill them with humility and the beginnings of hope. You know, that can happen right here, right now, on this day. Right here, right now. As we lift up our palms with songs to bless the one who comes in peace, may we also lay down the superficial cries of victory and triumph. As we lift our eyes to see a vision of heaven and earth made one, might we also lay down our expectations of how God would change us and our world, of how God would come into our lives and accomplish this. As we lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, might we also lay down our hearts until they burn with the desires of God's heart. And in lifting up and our laying down, God might just weave into us a tapestry of resurrection. The triumphant parade with shouts of joy and blessing will cause our hearts to rise and swell to the highest of highs. The excitement of the boisterous parade where Jesus is accepted accepted by the crowds, friends, that will fade just as it does for us many times as we leave this place of worship. Our hearts will begin to slip into the depths of despair and Jesus is rejected. Holy Week brings us to a space and time for lament, for struggle, for sorrow. I don't know for you, but Holy Week always slows down for me. And we walk through betrayal and unanswered prayer into darkness and death. You remember how Jesus prayed in Gethsemane? Lord, we have done the work to prepare our hearts to walk from the procession to the table, from the cross to the cold stone. Today we celebrate love incarnate who came to live, to work, and yes, to dance among us. Perhaps we are the borrowed coat. I don't know. Perhaps we need to lay down our coats to line the way. So the story continues. And we have prepared our feet to follow its path with a hope that is stronger than despair, a light that is stronger than darkness, 
and a love that's stronger than death. On my desk, many of you have seen this. On my desk, my office, I have a stone. And on this stone, it says this. If you don't, I will. They told Jesus to tell his followers to hush. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they do, that the stones, the rocks, will cry out. I don't want that stone on my desk to be a witness that I'm afraid to be. Y'all know what I'm saying? I don't want that stone doing my part. Thanks be to God. Amen.